What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Spending some time reconnecting with nature this summer? Here's a camping hack from L.L. Bean to make your next trip the best yet. Tired of your tentmate's flashlights shining in your eyes in camp? Bring an empty half-gallon milk jug or clear water bottle. Simply strap a headlamp around it, and it becomes a soft white lantern for everyone to see the light. For more camping hacks, visit youtube.com slash L.L. Bean. L.L. Bean. Be an outsider. And boom goes the dynamite. It's Tuesday. You know what that means. It's another episode of The Boom. This is not James McDaniel. I think he was hanging out with uh, Adam Cole this weekend and got his fever or something. He was unable to join us this week, but that is okay. I'm Kevin Ely, and I am joined once again. This is the epic crossover, the forbidden door of Fight Game Media, uh, the hosts of Speaking of Strong Style, Jeremy Feinstone, Stephen Conway. Welcome, guys. Hello. I'm Hello. so glad I didn't get con crud like Adam Cole got con crud. <laughs> uh, very happy to be here. Excited uh, after that show and uh, a lot of interesting things to talk about and uh, happy to be here to talk about them with you. So last week we talked about um, in different combinations of people last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. How stoked are you going into Forbidden Door? A lot of people we're, that we spoke to in different settings probably all said on like 8, 9, 10, 12 on a scale of one to 10. Now that forbidden door is over and we've all had the crash and, and possibly slept a little bit and had a day's work, all that stuff. Uh, where do you guys rate it in terms of like one to 10? How happy were you with this show? Not even like just like star ratings or any of that stuff, but just personal satisfaction. I enjoyed the show quite a bit. I enjoyed the show quite a bit. I, I thought it was a pretty breezy few. It was a long show. I mean, really, if you started at zero yeah, hour solid five and hours, went yeah. through the end, it went off at about uh, 11 p.m. here in Texas at six. So it was a five hour show. It didn't feel like it. Uh, yeah, I thought it, it breezed by nicely. Not everything hit 100 percent, but a lot more did than didn't. And I, I thought there was a nice variety to things. We saw, you know, multi-person brawls. We saw one of the best singles matches in a long time. I, when I came out of it, I felt very happy with the money I spent on it. Yeah, you know, I was, I was at like maximum overdrive. And when I came out of it, I was not at maximum overdrive. There were things here and there that actually like, activated my comic book nitpicky mm-hmm. i don't like this because this isn't how i'm used to things being mm-hmm. in new japan mm-hmm. and i had to deal with that because that is 
the worst tendencies of being yeah. like an obsessive fan because overall that was a fantastic show it laid out groundwork for the future that we didn't kind of foresee was going to be possible and mm -hmm. it made me kind of redefine what was going to go forward with both aew and new japan so off the chart but there were like like if i had to quantify it to be like 9.89 out of 10 like <laughs> like we're not we're not the nittiest talking of like the nits the nittiest of the nitpicks and i just like when i complain about things tonight i want people to know that these are nitpicks not like you need to go back and rewatch a show and realize that i'm right this wasn't a perfect show or anything yeah. like that it well, was just first yeah, for somebody ahead. that follows and lives within New Japan, uh, like I do, yeah. like Jeremy does, it was important for me to remind myself that the New Japan people are guests here, mm -hmm. that this is not a co-promotion. This is an AEW show with New Japan people coming in for it. So I, I tried desperately to keep that in mind, that this is not a ghetto production. Ghetto is the New Japan booker and one of the wrestlers. It. And you just have to remember that they're the guests here. So as, as much as I try to think like Ghetto, and that's part of the game that Jeremy and I enjoy playing mm -hmm. on our show, that's a fool's errand when it comes to Forbidden Door because <laughs> Ghetto's mm -hmm. not the one pulling all the strings yeah. in there. So it's not going to happen the way he would do it. And I feel like Jeremy and I have a pretty decent read on, on him. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, there were a few things over there that I was just, you know, you, you kind of look like a dog watching a card trick where you kind of tilt your head and go, hmm, okay. <laughs> uh, but again, that's it. Tony is booking with AEW in mind and the new Japan guys are there to support that. So mm -hmm. it, it, it's, uh, it's going to come out differently. And there are a few things that happen differently, but I, I tried to keep that in mind and just enjoy the thing. And action-wise, uh, there were some misses, and we're, we're gonna, definitely going to talk about no, those misses. <laughs> but the hits were about as uh, as good as you could hit. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, yeah. it was it, it, I, overall, I came out of that just thinking that was a fun night of wrestling. And uh, yeah. I guess that's the, that their job was to put on a fun night of wrestling. I think they did that. If I could succinctly put it, yeah, I would say last night or Forbidden Door to mm -hmm was New Japan for one night fantasy booked by Tony Khan. And that's, that, that's if you probably look a great at, way to put it, yeah. And everything mm -hmm. was just like, he had the ball was in his court, he had some rules yeah. you had to abide by, but yeah. everything else was like, go do your thing, dude. And there were some yeah. people that he was like, locked in and targeted and said, you guys are my guys, I am putting a program around you. And then there were other people that just seemed to be set pieces, and mm -hmm. it was very clear what Tony thought of them versus what the audience thought of them yeah. and vice versa. Yeah. Garrett, our uh, boss man, Garrett Gonzalez uh, was talking last night about being a fan service show, which I think it was, but it was an AEW fan service show. It was, Definitely. it was catering to the AEW audience who is, who likes new Japan and probably keeps up with new Japan to a certain degree, but is still geared through that AEW lens. And that was, some of the criticism I heard last night in the chat and their discord of people, you know, I think um, our buddy Paul even criticized like that uh, the graphic when uh, Naito entered the uh, little grad little factoid they put over his name was that he was making his AEW debut, which he felt was strongly inappropriate <laughs> because supposedly this is not an AEW show. This is an AEW and New Japan co-promoted show, which, you know, to me, that's semantics. I'd, you know, like, but like you said, but he made his debut at collision. 
Or are we talking about a match? In ring. I, I think oh, in okay. Ring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As he's coming to the ring. But but you're right. Either way, you know, <laughs> like you said, like it, it, you can you can get into that. And I think especially you, that's why I like talking to you guys about it, because you're coming from from what from either or either both perspectives or mm-hmm. uh, can look at it through the lens of if I were a, a fan in Tokyo watching this on New Japan World, um, you know, how would I be reacting to how these stars were used, how they were presented and all that, you know, so. Yeah. It was something I cautioned last week about getting caught in the weeds on some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And so that that was when we point these things out, you as a listener can come to the conclusion whether this is something to get caught in the weeds about or if this was something that they probably should have focused more on uh, from the new Japan side. So. All right. Let's pick the what, – what match do you want to start with? Jeremy, what do you think here? Which one made the biggest impression on you? I mean, I think we kind of have to do Osprey Omega if that's okay. the if that's the match, right? The greatest yeah. match of the year or greatest match of all time? That seems to be the discussion <laughs> right now. You know, it's it's funny is uh two different things can be true. It could be one of the best matches of all time and not even the best match between the two of them this year. Uh yeah. because uh, they had Okay. We are right now we're in a competition where every year, every month it's the match of the month. You know, like yeah. we had January, we had a match of the year contender. February or March, we had a match of the year contender. We're talking about a match of the year contender here. People are talking about that yeah. Dominion uh, clan being a match of the year contender in June. Like the the embarrassment of riches for matches of the year candidates here yeah. is just off the charts. And shows of the year. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's yeah. been probably five show pay-per-views between all the major promotions this year. I'm just talking about the majors that that probably are in conversation for, you know, someone saying that was my show of the year. Yeah. I mean, this one was another special one between these two Uh, and uh, 39 minutes and 35 seconds. And the emotional intensity of this match Mm -hmm. and the heat in this match with that crowd was really spectacular to watch. And I feel personally that it barely eclipsed the dome match back on January 4th. I like this one a tiny bit better. I will not argue with anyone who liked the dome match better. I thought it was a little bit better. Uh, I thought it was just absolutely sublime. Uh, It was an an, an absolute epic, and I love the emotion of it. The first one Mm -hmm. was mostly... Kenny Omega beating the living hell out of Will Ospreay for yeah. most of that match and Will just hanging in and hanging in and his perseverance coming within an eyelash of him getting through it all. Because mm-hmm. really, if you watch that, Will sold and sold and sold and they hit a few big moves and it was incredibly exciting, but it was in that way of, you know, Kenny is the hill, the Mount Everest that Will Ospreay must climb. And he basically got to base camp and then he made it to the top and he was just about to plant the flag and he got kicked back down at the dome right there. And that was the heartbreak of it. Like John Wick. Little pit. And so with this one, there was more, even more anger from Osprey in the ring. I mean, certainly he had the very fiery promo in Tokyo leading up to the dome that everyone kind of remembers that can never be put on television. But, uh, this one had more in-ring anger. He bloodied up Kenny early. This one, Kenny sold a lot more. Certainly, Will took a pounding as well. Both these guys beat the living hell out of each other. He played into the whole Canada thing. There were so many little Easter eggs in this match. And uh, all the way through hitting two 
submission moves, one Bret Hart's, the other Chris Benoit's, uh, which got the, uh, that was some, that was a choice. That was a choice. (laughs) And then, and then doing the whole Shawn Michaels thing with the Canadian flag, uh, you know, he grabs the Canadian flag and does all the old Shawn Michaels, uh, things back when, uh, Shawn was, uh, the diva of the year back in the, Mm -hmm. back in the WWF days and things. So, uh, all of that stuff, of course, just to anger the crowd. And uh, he got the use, use sick F chant. Uh, I don't yes. know if I can say that or not on the show, but uh, from that, who recognized it? And they said, oh, <laughs> they're doing the cripple cross face. Like, yeah. oh, my goodness. So uh, yeah. may have only been the yeah. second least tasteful thing on the show in this one, too. Right. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I, I love the thing. Uh, it, it just had a more even emotional intensity to it than will getting knocked down mm-hmm. and getting back up which was a story mm-hmm. and it was done brilliantly in tokyo and i thought that this one just had a little more even tone mm-hmm. to it and i felt that this one was even more violent than that one and not just because of the blood but uh, i i thought it edged it out just a tiny bit and at the end of it i was as emotionally exhausted as that crowd was i was slumped back in my couch uh, knowing that i had seen something very very special there yeah absolutely exhausted i mean the one knock for me was that i thought there was too much callous i wanted it to be a one-on-one match a lot like tokyo dome where the outside interference didn't play quite so much of an element into the the match itself um that to me was the big drawback no i'm with you and i'm absolutely with you and i was glad that they it was weird that they kicked callus out and then they brought him back and Mm -hmm. it was like the referee had forgotten he ever kicked him out right he didn't tony Tony tried to cover by saying oh he's gonna get fined for that but yeah but even more than that though what i was happy about is for that 20 minutes don was gone you could just focus on these two mm-hmm. men yeah. and uh but again this is where i was going back to where new japan are the guests here tony khan is yes. serving the aew audience and his aew audience masters so to speak so this don was an Callis, aew match don Callis yeah. has to be a part of it because in the end will osprey isn't the point Takeshita and Don Callis are because the money match for AEW is Takeshita and Omega. Yes. So, the, so yeah, it was one of those things where, like, yes, I was glad he went away because then they could just focus on each other and we could just focus on those two for a mm-hmm. while. But you knew that Don mm-hmm. had to have something to do with it because that's the story Tony is trying to tell. Ghetto was telling yeah. a totally different one in the dome. So, yeah, yeah. there's that, a there's a too. lot of bells and whistles. Oh, go ahead, Kevin. Uh, that just that. Sorry. Um, the, I felt that yeah, I could feel the two masters pulling at each other of of Tony saying what 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 story do I need to be telling here, but also knowing that this is a major New Japan program, even though you know Kenny's an AEW guy now, um, that this was probably the most New Japan of all the main card show you know matches in terms of the booking and and all that. So we have this choice: do I run the AEW story driven? uh match or do we put that all aside and let this and put this just in the context of what we're trying to do is is create the next chapter of a, an amazing trilogy or whatever they're going to do or maybe this the the you know two-parter so that these can stand alone in the history of wrestling you know and you know probably osprey and uh kenny left to their own brothers would just assume just go in there and have the story just be the two of them um, so I think that would probably be their leaning. And I feel like what they did was they sort of split the difference, 
which sort of in one way it mitigated it being totally because I think if it had just been, you know, by saying, well, we'll have Dawn interfere, but it won't be the finish. We'll, we'll, that'll just set up the amazing sequence after that, where, um, you know, he barely gets his foot on the rope and then is able to recover. And, you know, the, I mean, the, I mean, trading people doing each other's spots is, is, you know, kind of an easy way to, to, to create heat in a match, but my gosh, it worked so well here. I was amazed. It did not call the Kamagoye when he, yeah. as soon as Will Ospreay picked him up by the wrist, I thought, Oh no, he's gonna, he is gonna do Ibushi's move on. Well, him. The, and I the, thought that was one winged angel spot that Will pulled and the kick out at one. Yeah. The kick out at one. And that's, that's when, that's when I literally stood up in this room that I'm in right now and just stood up in front of the television and walked up to it and then did not realize that I was standing until the match was over. I can see the room so I can almost visualize yeah. you just like, like right here. popping out like yeah, <laughs> just I jumping here. out. Like, I was over here. Just, was over here. <laughs> just like this. <laughs> with my hands like this. Just spinning around the room. <laughs> just out. Yeah. And then like with you know, and then when the tiger driver happened, you know, I'm covering my mouth and oh. It was, it, it was excellent New Japan pageantry with the entrances that were the old yes. uh, Ariel Assassin music and Kenny Omega's Sephiroth-themed uh, mm-hmm. entrance, and then you had an AEW match. But you yeah. wouldn't think about it as an AEW match because they presented it to you that this is yeah. – this is a classic New Japan match. It was not a classic New Japan match, but it was a classic. And so uh, yeah. for the Forbidden Door, it was a perfect match to have there. And I yeah. can't I can't honestly say I have anything other than the quibbles about Callus before I just move on and say, are we going to see a third one or should it just be these two? Hmm. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm very curious to see how that goes as well. And and just on one side note there, as somebody who uh, my two favorite wrestlers in history are Bret Hart and Mitsuhara Masawa. And to see both of their big moves used in this thing, too, was just uh, they, it's like they were just talking right to me. It was beautiful. <laughs> uh, I, I appreciated I appreciated the nods very much. There were yes. a lot of nods in that. They match, were speaking but... your love language. Yeah, they were. Uh, yeah. You know, it's. Uh... It's tough because now each one's beaten the other with their finish. Uh, you know, the Stormbreaker finisher, a one-winged angel finisher. So it's a little tricky to wonder how a third one would go. I believe that Kenny and Will could certainly come up with something brilliant for it. Mm-hmm. And on a personal selfish note, I want to see a third one. It's mm-hmm. very possible that they could move on from this and just say, well, we'll call it a draw, one-to-one. And, yeah. and But it's... Uh, Boy, it's going to be really tempting for those promotions to put that one back in the ring, just because when you've had two all-time classics, it's very difficult to stop at two. And there have been a lot of a lot of great trilogies uh, over the years, and in, in New Japan and and, the, and even in, in Japanese wrestling, and uh, it, it feels a little bit more. Tony doesn't like to do rematches all that much, but uh, Japan's a little bit more open to it. Now, I would love to see it one more time, and I've been said before, I would love to see it at Wembley. Uh, I, I think it's a perfect opportunity for it. And I know that the idea of perhaps putting over Osprey in England, a non-AEW guy on a huge AEW show, and my only counterpoint to that is you might do it if you really want to sign the guy, 
when this contract's up. Yeah. It might be a nice way of buttering the dude up. Uh, but uh, And they could also do it later down the road. I, I feel like we're going to see it a third time. I don't know mm-hmm. if people are going to be able to resist. Did you guys? I I thought the same. I think I think leading into the show, I think pop. You know, conventional wisdom was the trilogy was the plan the whole time, and you know, obviously this is just part two. I did not feel that way when the match was over. I thought you could end it here and just yeah. say these two had epic matches. Either one of them could beat each other at any given time. We'll finally climb the mountain, um, and let's move on. And I I think you totally could do that. Um. I think you you could still have Will have that big victory at All Out. I think they Brian Danielson, interestingly enough, was teasing a little bit um, in the press conference um, when people were asking about uh, other dream opponents. Like, now you've, you've met Okada, who are some other dream opponents. And then so, someone specifically asked him about England, saying, like, is there any British stars you would love to face at All Out? Mm. And he said, oh, well, like, who do you have in mind? Like, what British stars are you talking about? And the guy's like, well, obviously, uh, Zack Sabre Jr. And he said, yeah, sure, we've been talking about Zack, but who else is a star in England? And, you know, and they're like, oh, Will Ospreay. He's, yeah, Will Ospreay. He's pretty good. Like, he seemed to really be, like, teasing people with that idea of him facing Ospreay. He's a troll. Yeah, he is a troll. He's a fantastic troll. What a man. My all-time what a, favorite what wrestler. A, like, he's more than a troll, apparently, after the match he had tonight. Right. Beat Okada with a broken freaking arm. Yes, I love the. There was there. I don't know if you saw the the presser, but um, mm-hmm. uh, Tony Khan love you know he loves to point out his stats. Oh. Said you know Brian, this was the first time that Okada has tapped out in a singles match since, and he gave the match and who he tapped out to in in 2015. So it's the first time that he's tapped out to someone in a singles match in eight years. Nakamura. And yeah, that was Nakamura. Nakamura. Yeah, good, yeah, good. Yeah, it was in the G1 tournament, yeah. Nice. Uh, and uh, and Brian just goes, and I did it with a broken arm. <laughs> just like that. Just cold. You're just like, <laughs> what? Like, how, how do you not look at this guy like you are the greatest of all time? And it's just like, goat status was the was he went through that match and we thought he was selling like we literally yeah. was like wow what a great seller he's just going through the match he, you're like you're watching him try and do the 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 wrist lock over his face mm-hmm. and you're just like he looks like he is in pain oh my yeah. goodness and then you're just like casually coming home from watching the pay-per-view with friend house you're just like Oh, he broke his arm. Oh, oh, oh that's yeah. not good. <laughs> yeah. And you're yeah, just like, and then you too. just reframe everything that happened in that match. Yeah. And you and end it, in mm-hmm. and you end wondering like, why did it end like that? And yeah. then we were like, talked about, oh. he talked about that. It, it threw out of a lot of his ideas of what they wanted to do. They were, they had to wing it a lot. Um, it, it, well, we're not even sure even it was like supposed to said, be a submission, right? We're not. We're not know, even sure it was supposed to be that. a submission. We'll never know. We'll never yeah, know. We don't know. We don't. We'll never know. We'll never know. Yeah. yeah. But what a level of respect to give Danielson that opportunity. Like, okay, if we need to do a submission, go for it. You know. Like, yeah. yeah. That. That is a test. If it wasn't planned to be a submission, yeah. What a generous. Uh, you know, like you said, that speaks really well of him. That Okada, it on the fly was like, yeah, I'll tap to that. <laughs> but and by the way, it, I want to make something. I, two weeks ago on this show, I made some 
lighthearted fun at Bryce Remsburg and talking about his uh, look at me style of refereeing. And uh, he was really good in this match as far as getting the communication down between the, those two guys, because I went back and watched it again. Once I found out he broke his arm because I wanted to mm-hmm. see where it was. It didn't really look that bad, but you could see where, where it happened. And when it happened, there were some pretty darn subtle little mm. moves in there between Daniel and uh, Danielson and Okada and Bryce, where they were communicating in a way that wasn't particularly obnoxious or, or, or obvious. It was and subtle. There, there, yeah, if you go back and watch it, you'll see little things. It wasn't things Aubrey Edwards shouting mouth. seven minutes in the middle of the ring. <laughs> hey, you know, hey, W and the referees, but uh, it's but yeah, I have I have made fun because Bryce thinks he draws yeah. the crowd and not the wrestlers. Yes, but yes. There, in, in, there's been that but, knock about him in the past. <laughs> but but in this case, I think he actually did an excellent excellent job here and uh, communicate a difficult situation. It's the main event of this huge thing, this gigantic dream match, and they had to improvise a lot of the finish, which had to be. Uh, terrifying to anyone that's not Danielson and Okada. And actually, Danielson mentioned a couple of things. Like, he did the yes thing, and he said in yes. the presser that he was never going to do it again, but he felt like he had to in this situation. He, yeah. What was the other thing? Oh, the, the convulsions tricks. thing, the seizures. Oh, thing, I, was, I, nope, I hated nope, that. Nope, I hated nope, it. nope. I'm not a fan. I'm not it. a fan. But it shows you that if he went back on what he had told himself, I'm only doing the yes thing that one yeah. time, and then he did it again here, it, he did the mm-hmm. seizure thing. The, it's not panic, but it's in the general neighborhood of where he was just right. like, "Oh shit, what am I going to do?" Scramble, here? and uh, and he, he was he was very he very worried. So again, friends. those those guys pulled something out in a, in a tricky situation where obviously they were very stressed. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away. Specifically, the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to YouTube.com/presale to get fifty dollars off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends nine nineteen. No refund. Subscription auto renews. What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. I just went to my happy place. I just went to Maui, and it was truly amazing. Priceline has always been about getting you to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else, like up to 60% off select hotels in Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I felt like he was even and with the with the seizure thing, um, which we can talk about if you want, but uh, that he was pretty clearly positioning himself as the heel in the beginning of the match. And yes. by the end, it was really just two baby faces, uh, you know, in, in, a, in, a, in that type of match. I wonder if that was something that he abandoned in the middle of the match or if it was something that they had, you know, you know, I love Dan Danielson loves to play heel, but I think he also knows I'm ending forbidden door and I, and I, you know, we, we don't want to do a screwed over finish. We don't want to have any cheating. You know, I'm not going to do that. Um, but, and he's an interesting heel because when he does, he doesn't really cheat like that in matches. Mm-hmm. He does heinous stuff outside the ring. He's a, he's a jerk and does jumping jacks in the Iron Man match and stuff like that. But, um, we're not the Iron Man match, but his hangman draw, um, mm-hmm but he's not really a cheater. 
And, you know, but the, the convulsions was probably the closest thing you'd get to cheat. Yeah, he's ruthless. Yeah. Yeah, the convulsions thing, I also think he was doing that just to buy time. I'm not sure that was something they had planned on doing at all. So was that, at, you think that was after the, that was after the arm? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah it was after okay. he broke his arm. Yeah, it was after like there was a lot of what are that we was some of the communication was going on during that. What I was going to add over. to what you were saying about the psychology of the match is I think once the arm got broken, a lot of the heel faith dynamic went out the window in terms of like pain management and psychology of getting through this match in a way that yeah. we're not going to disappoint everyone. And so right. you know, like you had to just kind of jettison a couple of the typical things that you do in the match and go into survival mode and for that aspect of it just i can forgive the seizures i don't ever want to see that used as a maneuver to pass time in a match for any reason whatsoever because i go into oh my god is this man going to survive and it takes me immediately out of the match The, the the idea that brian you know that it was his idea to do it and he's choosing to do that. You know, it's like, okay, you know, uh, you know, I don't like it. I don't like, you know, here's the thing. I don't know. I, I can't think of, other than when I was a little kid, I can't think of a wrestler that I've had as an emotional attachment to as Brian Danielson, as a person, as a performer, as a character, um, where it's like, I care about this character i care about this wrestler you know or whatever i want the best for him i want the best for the person you know and part of that's his story and missing the ring and also the incredible performer he is so when he does stuff like that man it just hurts you're like no i don't i don't want to be reminded of that and i don't yeah. you know i don't i don't like seeing that used for effect even if it's you choosing to do it i get that you're it's, your, it's his experience he can own that it's his choice whether whether he wants to bring that up, and I don't feel like anyone's forcing that on him. But, dude. <laughs> so the way, the way that I look at it is we in this industry of being fans of professional wrestling are manipulated by the wrestlers, every wrestler, every yep. day, all the time. What um, I do not want is for the insult of us and it to be used to a point where it's blatant and we are made to feel dumb and or stupid for our concern that takes us out of a match and told like, Mm -hmm. oh, it's just part of a show. There are thresholds to all of this. And my thresholds are a lot greater watching Japanese wrestling and some of the other things than, you know, the the person tuning in to Forbidden Door because their family members watching it and wondering like, oh my God, is that guy having a seizure? Is this real kind of thing? So there are scenarios like that where people just come in and, and see it and I get a little bit embarrassed of like, yeah, this is not something that's usually something that we see in wrestling. This isn't great. You know, mm-hmm. there was like a dozen people where I was watching the show. There was a lot of people there. And so this was a topic of conversation of whether this person was actually having a seizure. And then when explaining that this person wasn't having a seizure was, you know, like, okay, can we just embarrassingly move on to the next part of the class? <laughs> because then you have to explain. Well, do you re- the reason we freaked out about that is because there was a time where he actually did have a seizure. Uh, well, yes. And, it <laughs> and just, someone's like, down the you're telling me he awful. was having seizure? You know, yeah. what are you watching? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah it, it did suck the air out of the building a little bit. And that match was, was going along. That was a really interesting crowd reaction to that match because I know everyone was tired, but I don't think... The 
take on it that the crowd was tired so they didn't react was completely accurate. I think that crowd was into every single thing in that match. Most of them were on their feet for a lot of it. You saw in the background, there were people in the fourth row that were standing up throughout the whole thing. They weren't yelling and screaming partially, I think, because once the match started, they -hmm. really didn't want either guy to lose. Mm-hmm. And they didn't really want to see either one of them get beat or or be the heel or anything like that. So they didn't really plus plus they knew that that match was going at least twenty minutes no matter what. So anything mm-hmm. that happened in the first twenty minutes was okay. This is interesting. Right. It's it, when it, when the twenty minute mark comes, I'll start paying attention. The New mm-hmm. Japan fans know no Okada match ends before the drop kick. So when you get the, right. once he hits that drop kick, I, my, yeah. even my girlfriend has picked up on this. Who's a very casual wrestling watcher? Uh-huh. Uh, she just said, oh, "Okay, now we might have, now it might yeah. end up uh, now we might be coming down to it." Yeah. And uh, yeah, she was watching that. But in the end of it, 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 I think it did change things because she said there was no suspense mm. to that match. And I just thought, yeah, that's an interesting way of putting it. She just said, "Where were all the?" near falls where were all the mm. she didn't call them near falls but she's you know where are all the, right. like the two counts mm. and things the 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 barely you know, that's one of okada's best moves is almost getting mm. pinned but not we didn't get any yeah. of that because they had to improvise and there were certain right. things that danielson suddenly wasn't physically able to do that i'm sure yeah. they had planned for the end of that but and, that and crowd what... the, the the seizure thing sucked it out of it mm-hmm. but i think a lot yeah. of the quiet was because they were just like i i love both of these guys i don't want right. to put one over the other Kevin, I got a question I, I, for you. Oh, okay. I do. So, I want to know from you, and then I want to know from Stephen. Looking at the past and into the future, what was your reaction when Final Countdown played? <laughs> okay. And do you think that we are going to see Final Countdown play again next year at Forbidden Door Three when these two have a rematch? So. I had to eat a little crow because last week when it was discussed, the possibility of fun. Oh, Kibiki, we all do. The, the, <laughs> yeah, the rights, the rights ownership had changed and it was open, you know, possibility that that could happen. And there was a lot of like, Ooh, what if, what if, what if? And I was very much of like, guys, let's, you know, come on. Temper like, your expectation. Yeah. God and damn. like, that's a very small number of people that that song means something to. He is much bigger a star with ride of the Valkyries. You know, like let's like let's stop trying to relive everything. You know, you don't have to fall on the sword on your own, dude. I was right there with you. (laughs) And the moment that synthesizer hit, I got goosebumps. I was like, (laughs) "Oh my god!" And this is the this is the worst part. I thought it was so great that after he got in the ring, before Okada came out, I rewound it and watched it again, which put me about ninety seconds behind everyone else and the finish was spoiled for me in the discord because I'm watching the match he's working the hold and then I just see someone type Okada ta- uh, Okada tap and I thought what and then I realized oh, oh. crap I'm behind because I went back to watch final countdown that's how good of a song it was the song was so good it spoiled the finish for me Brian you are... controlled you one more time <laughs> You are absolutely right that it is a very small number of people that would have some sort of connection to that. 
However, the only one that matters is the ROH mark in the room, and it's Tony. <laughs> and never forget just how much money his dad has. So he tweeted about never, it, too. Never forget just I how much they money said it Tony's cost daddy a gazillion has. dollars. Brian said it cost a well, gazillion dollars. Well, his dad has a couple of gazillion. So <laughs> just remember, daddy can pay for stuff like that. Again, daddy can yeah. pay for Tony's toys, and he did there. And uh, Tony, I don't know if Tony they're going to do it every time. But, what's that? but hey, the people out. reacted big. Like oh, the, yeah, the yeah. people pop for it, you know. And now, well, that what crap, was interesting that was that it. what was interesting was that the coin drop got an even bigger response. People went insane for that coin drop. You know? so, it's a smart crowd there. It's a smart crowd yeah. in Toronto this weekend. Tony you know? Khan tweeted out this afternoon the final countdown and hashtags from the show, and they needed a gift from Office Space with Dedek Bader with the long mullet and the and the trucker thing, and all it said was mm-hmm. "damn straight." I wanted to do that, man. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I love Respect it. I mean, it was... to Tony Khan. You have the yeah. money and you blew it on it, and we all love you for it. Yes. Yeah. That's a that was a that was some of the collision money right there. Actually, I think. Oh, wasn't it? Man. It was like yeah. a couple of weeks of collision. <laughs> I believe Tony Khan. Just, I, I believe he said maybe it was at the presser that it was the equivalent of it was more than some wrestlers' annual contract, which actually is probably not that much for for a big music drop like that <laughs> but like poor I'm, like serpenticos and they're going okay yeah he cut <laughs> fuego del sol so that he get final countdown i mean the timing the timing was a little just to be honest though. i can't that's the next great scandal really we're gonna, yeah cody's gonna come back and he's gonna be super pissed and there's gonna be a whole fight between cody and brian danielson because uh the because uh Brian Danielson got fired. He heard rumors that Brian Danielson got Fuego del Sol fired so he could play Final Countdown at Forbidden Door. That's the conspiracy for 2025. There you go. And Osprey will come out just saying, God, he made me go and get a tape of my old music. What the hell? Right. <laughs> so it doesn't really yeah. seem like guys came out healthy on um, those two main events, but there was also a match in between there that – Yes. Well, Good Lord, it felt like they didn't get it. They didn't they almost didn't survive that match either. Nido. What, oh, what, what a mess. Yeah. That yeah. was no, a, that, that match didn't work at all. And and that's that's a good example of Tony fan booking New Japan as uh, this this mishmash of, of weirdness in this one. Uh it, Tony's Tony's opinion of Minoru Suzuki is a little higher than most people's now because yeah. Minoru Suzuki is kind of a legend. He does a few things really well, but Japan has figured out that he's best in a he is best in a six man tag, mm-hmm. but with guys that can really carry him through it. And that's Dal Desperado, Ren Narita. He was there with Chris Jericho. <laughs> and then you know <laughs> sammy's in there you know sammy's yeah. in there and then yeah. for reasons known only to themselves they took darby allen out of the match with a very poorly done judas effect which occasionally yeah. looks good usually doesn't mm-hmm. and he, the timing of it was all gone and then darby who is one of well he's one of the best workers in the whole company and certainly one of the most mm-hmm. charismatic and someone who could have really helped this match Mm-hmm. laid by the ring steps for the rest of it while the rest of it looked like what it was it was an old guy match while sting, and, while sting looked like he was trying to he got crushed i by thought Sammy he broke his sternum seven, like he was supposed to get out of the way of that table and not he even already had a bell rung and he missed the spot but you knew 
that he had to get out of the way of the table because he was up on the ring side yeah, for the next spot within like 10 seconds. He hit the spot barely, if you want to say he hit the spot. And then he crumples over the ring in front of the camera and yeah. he looked like he's dead. Yeah. And you're just like, oh my God. Sammy that was another him. that was another one. It wasn't the same thing as the seizures, but it was another thing where I was like, oh no, this feels like with you know, when Seth when he got injured in that match with Seth. That's another thing I think of. Every time Sting does something crazy, I'm like, oh man, don't let the this visual be the night. that I have of Sammy sitting like in a bowl. At the yeah. very corner of the ring after the match with his head and his hair going like, that fucking oh, went wrong real bad. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. sorry for the cursing. But That's that right. went real wrong, real bad, real quickly. And you just like, you saw the look on his face. And, you're like, and then yeah. they announced that they were going to do a match at Dynamite. And I'm like, you're going to quit a state yeah, for tag. <laughs> Oh, yeah. yeah and, the, the, and then Jericho, <laughs> Jericho, oh, Chris, uh, <laughs> swings the bat. At the press conference, knocks a bottle of water into the crowd, which cuts open somebody, busts open John one Hughes. of the journalists. You know, and then John all Hughes. Friend, John Hughes. Almost hit Denise Salcedo, and that would have gotten yes. into some serious crap right there. <laughs> right. Like, uh, but uh, the Golden Child, they can't do that. John, so, John uh, Mew said he got is, color at Forbidden Door. I texted color. John Muse and I asked him, are we laughing or are we upset? And he's like, I, I, <laughs> I have a run. I have a running joke on our show here. Jeremy knows what this is, where I do. I said, are we still Doing the thing where we all pretend Chris Jericho's still good. We still are, right? We're all just <laughs> we're all just rolling through this. Like hey, he's real good you know, at being Chris Jericho. He's oh boy, the hey, nature boy, Chris Jericho. <laughs> oh yeah, oh boy. Anyway, the, the, but I'll the tell you on with, paper when you talk about when you talk about uh, Tony booking a AEW show like this is that laying out on paper. I thought okay, there's three matches left, and I actually thought on paper this is probably the perfect match to put between those two main events because you give the, you give it a quote breather, but what's the only thing that can follow Kenny Omega and Will Ospreay that keeps the crowd engaged? Judas. That's yeah. Like, yeah. And got him to sing. They're always going to sing for it to come out. Naito comes out like, this is awesome. Sting is all, it's like, here's all the things I know what is an AEW? What is going to keep an AEW audience engaged for the next ten minutes while we make them while we let them forget about what they just saw, so that we can get to the main event? Judas, uh, Naito appearing for the first time in a ring, Sting, uh, and um, oh, Kaze uh, Nina and, and, for... and Kaze Nina yeah. and yeah, Minoru yeah. and Minoru Slapping. Yeah. You know, like, it's in, like, in all okay, honesty, I'm just going to push these buttons for 10 minutes <laughs> and then we're going to bring know, up it, the main event. And it probably would have worked. You know, the thing is, like, the crowd yeah. was what that's the what crowd I meant on did. paper. Yeah. They sang and then they died off and they yeah. did. But, you know, the thing is, if Sting gets out of the way and then hits those spots at the end, I think it would have brought him back. I think it would have. Yeah. If that's right. Hit. But all the timing was just, and nobody's timing was correct the rest of that match. And, and sometimes that happens. It's contagious. When a guy misses a spot, it gets, in a, even in a six-man match, that'll just go around like a virus, like whatever got Adam Cole, the virus. And I, I feel like, everybody was thrown off the rest of that thing. I feel like Naito was, was basically in that just like being like, I am just trying not to get, like, he's like, what can I do? <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm not I really care about off. CMLL more than this, yeah. actually. Yes. So yeah. don't hurt me before right. I go down to Mexico. He's just like, I am just trying to keep really my nose do. down. <laughs> I have a Rena Mexico and, go. and a G1. I am not right. letting this guy. So, so check yourself, guys. I'm hanging out here. Uh, the way that they set up this match, again, the fantasy booking aspect of it, 
if I could go back based off of who they ended up having on this card, it 100% should have been the Jericho Appreciation Society. Five of those guys versus Darby, Sting, Shingo, Naito, and Hiromu. And that, that would have been a much better match than what we were given. And I don't understand the politics behind not doing that match, especially when you could have done Minoru Suzuki, Ren Narita, and El Desperado in a pre-show match. Probably mm -hmm. the perfect place to have Minoru Suzuki. Mm -hmm. But again, these are like, we watch New Japan every week. And if you want to get the, like... If you want to say, like, how could you have done this better? This is how you could have done it better. Does it really matter, given that it was a breather match between the two main events? I guess not. It was a set piece for everybody to get their fill of Naito. We're glad Sting isn't dead, and we can just move on from here. Yeah. Yep. Yep. All right, let's run through the rest of the show. I pretty much consider those three matches like that's sort of the final chapter of the show. Mm -hmm. um, and everything else was what led up to that. Um, before we do that, I got to get my plugs in. You know, James is sick. He's ill. And the kind of that comes Dr. Bills. So if y'all want to pitch in $5 a month to subscribe to Fight Game Media, <laughs> get discourse like this every week across all of our podcasts, uh, YouTube shows, everything, when you subscribe to the patreon.com slash fight grain media uh, account, um, you support all of us in many ways, both emotionally and financially. So uh, get on there. Certainly emotionally. Yes. Uh, very fragile. Help us out. Daddy just bought a PS5, so I need money for games. So fight forever. Yeah, we got download my computer. We all need our. Speak. We all need the cash to pay for fight forever. Uh, if if, if we right. had Shad Khan's money, we'd be playing a Sarah McLaughlin song right now, folks. Believe us. That's right. <laughs> We're trying to save up for that needle drop. In the arms yeah. of the angels. For the, <laughs> for the arms of the angel. Uh, okay, and watch the YouTube. So you guys are uh, YouTube primarily. Well, you're both YouTube and a podcast feed, but uh, drops first live on YouTube. Give us that's right, Brenda. Every Tuesday at Tuesday at five fifteen uh, Eastern, two fifteen Pacific. Yeah, and we then, were also uh, the Power Bombshells, who were also on YouTube. We yeah, that's right. Did the fill in with them this past weekend on the pre-show. So if you want to hear three hours of all of us talking in depth, unwrapping everything about AEW. You can go to the YouTube Fight Game Media channel and check that out. They're every Sunday. They're not usually that long, but it was a very special episode <laughs> with the five-star Joshi show that's also on YouTube. Yep. And then we got the clip from The Rap, The Boom, The Dynamite Show, Mike and JD Show, uh, Fight Game Pod Extra. Uh, I'm trying to think of all the YouTube clips that we do so that you can wrap up and do the rest of the Patreon part, and I think I got it. So I think you did, yeah. To you. I will say the the the... the power bombshells this weekend should be great because Mel was at Forbidden Door and should have a, mm -hmm. a live report if anyone did see that. And I think she, I did not see her on there, but I I, th I believe she might have called in last night on the Fight Game Extra post show. With she Gary did a run Hall. in on our show beforehand okay. on the power bombshells this yeah. past week. And she's going to be on our show tomorrow. So uh, on uh, Tuesday at 515. Yeah. The right. crossovers continue. The Forbidden the Door is slowly continues. closing. 
You guys are the hardest working people in show business the last few weeks. <laughs> one week, everybody. one week of this, man. Biggest <laughs> week of the year. <laughs> the silly season for us, but we love it. We're yeah. having a blast doing all this. And one of our favorite things is that we get to interact with all these other shows because these oh, worlds are colliding. Yeah. Been a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. Uh, let's see. Before we get back to the show, there was one news note I wanted to hit, which was at the, I think it was at the show or was it on collision where they announced, uh, AW surprise is playing three shows in Chicago. Uh, let's see. August 30th, dynamite, September 2nd collision and September 3rd, all out. This is the week following all in. If I'm correct, mm-hmm. That's right. um, three shows, two at the now arena and one at the United center. Wait, are two uh, at the United go- center? I thought collision and the, uh, and all out. Or oh, no, United you're right. Center. You were right. And that, that rampage is at the now arena, but they're advertising it weirdly as a separate event. Yeah, that's where you yeah, have dynamite and rampage are taping on Wednesday at the now arena. And uh, the A show collision is now uh, <laughs> at the United Center. Oh. Uh, Time for another dance at the United Center. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> get your Deep tickets dance, now. Hashtag for, Trudifke, to get, get out of control. Now <laughs> for third dance. That's ambitious. United Center. That, that is that is very ambitious. CM Punk will re 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 debut. At the at the United Center, uh, there it'll be really interesting to see how those tickets do. I've got to feel like there is a forbidden door, doors. and then there is the revolving door that is <laughs> <the United> Center. <laughs> the forbidden door is the yeah, door that... to Punk's dressing room. <laughs> they're they're trying to they're trying to break the record of holding shows in a building that's currently held by the one in Jacksonville where they were for a year and a half. Right, they were <laughs> it's the, the new Daily's place. Yeah. yeah, the new Daily's place. Yeah, man, I, that's uh, it's ambitious. That's a lot. To, to be ask, fair, Punk has a lot very bad market. memories of the Now Arena. The very bad thing wouldn't happen there the last time he yeah, was there. That's true. So I can understand why he maybe doesn't want to go to that's, that. Arena. That would be hilarious. <laughs> we should start that rumor that you know the only reason Punk will not go to the Now Arena. They Punk fears Now Arena. Yeah, they're going to do a that's double feed, the, like WrestleMania two or something. Or Starcade, where they uh, where they have a feed, and the and the elite will be wrestling at the Now Arena while Punk's at the United Center. Smoke to that fire! Yeah. Oof. Oh, that's All the right. one in Hoffman Estates. That's okay. That's not the old yeah. uh, Horizon. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, that was the one where he yeah. got into the fight and broke his yeah. arm, and that was the <laughs> that was the bus ride back that I was with esteemed uh, leader Garrett Gonzalez realizing. Uh, they are going wrong at the scrum, and he's like, "Oh, I'm sure it's fine." Like, no, 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 no. They are going fine. very wrong right now. Yeah, not we were very, recording very, the very meeting. Very, we were very doing our fine. post show, doing, yeah. They are going. All right, let's get back to Forbidden Door. Okay. I did not watch the Zero Hour. I I was um, too busy getting okay. dinner and all this stuff made, and uh, missed almost all of it. Um, there were four matches, which is crazy that they had those four matches. And I, I hated seeing, um, who was the first one? First match. It was the Mogul Embassy with Bishop Khan, Brian Cage, Strickland, and Toa Leone. And they beat Chaos with El Desperado, who is nothing to do with Chaos. He is part of Strong Set with Minoru Suzuki, who was a heel later on in the match that we previously mentioned. 
where yeah. El Desperado is an unwilling, somewhat hesitant <laughs> participant in doing handshakes, hugs, yeah. high fives. I can admit that I appreciated. I appreciated mm-hmm. Desperado just being somewhat exasperated and defeated in himself finding himself in yeah. this situation. It was the best way to get through like what I was watching because it made no sense. <laughs> okay, like it made me it made me sad to watch him come down the aisle with all those empty seats. Yeah, that is true. I know people were still I know people were finding their seats and by the end of that match most of the people were seated, but man, I just hate to see guys put matches on especially was, big uh, stars, especially real stars like that. I was happy he made the cut because there were a lot of people who didn't make it on this show from the New Japan side mm-hmm. that I was yeah, a little mystified about. Yeah. yeah, there were there were there were people just not there, and so I was glad he was there. I was fine settling for that, and I was glad that he got a lot of opportunity to shine, even though the match seemed to be a thank you to Swerve Strickland for a lot of no, work sure. well done throughout the weekend. Yeah. I, uh, I, it's, it was kind of surprising to me because I figured Desperado, I know, um, he seems like someone who's tailor-made to get over an AEW. Yes. The, the look, the style, like, I feel like one match and he'd be over like Rover in AEW. Well, I mean, they have a lot of luchador guys and Desperado comes from a, a lucha libre background. He was Namahage in mm-hmm. CMLL when he was uh, on excursion and has brought a lot of that lucha back to uh, Japan with him. So, yeah, there's a l- bunch of guys in AEW with that Lucha background that he could do something very special with, and he would slide right in. And he's one of the best junior heavyweights in the world, flat yeah. out is. He's, yeah. I-, I think he's as close to a new Black Tiger as we've had in a while. Uh, if Hiromu Takahashi is the yeah. new Jushin Tiger, and he is. Uh, it, yeah, even Excalibur mentioned that last night. But I, we've been saying it on our show for a long time that he's at that level, mm-hmm. and Desperado is his number one rival right now. So that would put him up in that spot. But yeah, he was lost in the shuffle here uh, with uh, Chuck and Trent, and none of none of those guys are bad. And Rocky's terrific worker, and he's the guy that books foreign talent for New Japan. So sure. this is a big weekend for Rock, and uh, you know it's a. Uh, it, but it was a little bit uh, sad to see Desperado just kind of a guy in an opening match on a pre-show type of thing. It was that was, I don't like seeing him on the same level as uh, Teo Leone and uh, Bishop Khan. Right. It's kind of like Jeremy said. It's like it's totally Leone. I, was, I know. I was just making a David Teo Leone. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I honestly make that mistake every time I sit. <laughs> I have to question myself. I guess the line is whether you whether you would are you are you glad that he's just on the show altogether or do you feel like it'd be better to him not be on there? This is that. one of those is this yeah. getting caught in the weeds about yeah. his portrayal yeah. on this show. Happy yeah. that he's there, or do you wish that if you're gonna put him there that at least you respect where he's positioned at New Japan and and positioned him accordingly? And yeah. I was frustrated with a couple of things were there and that's where I had to again at the beginning of the show talk about kind of get rid of the worst comic book nitpicky obsessive mm-hmm. things editor's note in the bottom of the panel saying check and make <laughs> spider-man 300 for the first appearance worst of venom kind of thing ever. you know it's like just that kind of stuff it's like you shouldn't need that kind of explanation uh like that context for a lot of this stuff like you should just be able to say hey he's with this group but when you start having to yeah. be like yeah, El Desperado is with this group, but he's teamed up with them. Right. Blah, blah, blah. You're just like, right. oh, this uh, is we're not... the guests. That's when he realized we're the guests here. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah. Yeah. 100%.
Yep. Any other standouts from the Zero Hour? Well, uh, Athena and Billy Starks opened up, uh, not didn't open up, pardon me, there was a match on, uh, on uh, earlier in the week, but the Owen Hart Foundation mm-hmm. tournament match was Athena and mm-hmm. Billy Starks. This one was a little wonky, a little awkward, didn't quite work. It got better toward mm, the end. That's disappointing. Uh, the stars, Starks seemed to be a little bit nervous in the service there. I thought that was the yeah. beginning show of nervous. Well, mm. you know, that was... The, it was it was a tough one, but uh, she missed a she missed a senton on the apron. She didn't blow the spot. That was the spot that she missed a senton mm-hmm. onto the apron, uh, and that was the beginning of the end for her. And Athena Athena just uh, took over from that point, hit her with the finish, and won. Uh, so of course that's all in service of getting Athena to Willow Nightingale, which is the match we all want to see anyway. So, but uh, Starks, yeah, right, that was right. not going to be her finest uh, match. There, she'll do better in the future. But uh, I compared this to an NXT match in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. There was Athena mm-hmm. is above that level, but she was wrestling somebody at that level, and so she was wrestling down instead of yeah. having Billy wrestle up to her and. They had a couple sequences like a, like that it looked like they had really planned out. For a Jade match or something? 100%. They, they had yeah. a couple of sequences that looked really crisp and like ready to go and were like the focal point for the match. But beyond yeah. that, there was just, it was a mess. The beginning, she looked like she, Billy Stark kind of shouldn't have been in there, but she got it together and they were able to put a match together when all said and done. Yeah, that's probably a good place for. I mean, I know a pay per view, but zero hour. You know, someone like Billy that they see a future in, but yeah. you know, it's good to get around a from some people. And yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And then after that came El Fantasmo and Stu Grayson. That went uh, seven fifteen. So these matches, like you said, they had to get four of them in in this hour. So right. got some quickies. And uh, after the Mogul Embassy match uh, went twelve twenty four. Everything else was under eight. Uh, so Fantasmo beats Stu Grace, and these are two Canadians uh, in Toronto. Uh, showcased mostly for uh, Fantasmo went fine. You know I, these guys. You know that, I walked went fine. through when the match was on. I le- I legitimately asked myself if Logan Paul had signed. When ah, I, see, yeah, yeah. I was that, like, that's, that's did, a long lost Do I have Peacock on? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like my girlfriend says, it's a, uh, it's the long lost brother, Methy Con. That was what she said. That's what, uh, that's Methy, what Logan that's would right. look like if he had a Metro. <laughs> Methy Paul. Methy Paul. Yeah. Methy Paul. This but, match uh, suffered from people. I love El Fantasmo, by the way. I, that's not that. Yeah. I'm speaking for oh, her. I, not for me. I, I love he's ELP. He's terrific. El Fantasmo in the middle of like a, a gimmick change. He just got ousted out of Bullet Club. So yeah. he's a full-fledged face, but he's still doing like the titty twisters and things like right. that that are yeah. somewhat comedic face rather than dynamic, bold baby face. Uh, mm-hmm. Stu Grayson's whole alignment with that revival thing completely took me out of like the dynamic of the match. I didn't understand what was going on with that. And it felt like, yeah, it felt like that seemed like a little bit were, too much context you needed to provide. I, I was sitting there and I was like, okay, if they are unable to explain to me or someone who's coming in, never seeing a new Japan like show, and they are explaining to me the content of the new Japan wrestlers, the way that they are explaining to me, Stu Grayson and the revival right now, we are in for a long night. And that's how I felt about it. But thankfully, <laughs> uh, the, the light it wasn't that case. It, nobody had a clue what was going on with the revival. Yeah. Hmm. 
and, uh, and then, the last uh, one was the last one was Los and Gobernable, Shingo Takagi, Bushi, and Hiromu Takahashi against the United Empire. That was Jeff Cobb, Kyle Fletcher, and TJP. So this was a good match, but it, you know the thing is, it was like one of those house show matches that's on New Japan all the time, where it's the multi-person tags that are previewing soon to come singles matches, and it was worked like that. So it was a good match, but it was uh, you know it was well worked. All six of those guys are pretty good. But it's also understanding you work those matches knowing it's not your night to shine. You do your things. Everyone gets in a little bit and then you go to yeah. the finish. And so the, the one highlight for me was Hiromu Takahashi trying to work. Well, not trying to. Working with Jeff Cobb. And, like, you know, little Hiromu was trying to conquer, you know, Mount Olympus right there and uh, climbing him like a jungle gym and trying to figure out ways to get any offense yeah. in on Cobb, which was both funny and, um, and uh, enjoyable. Hiromu and, and uh, Shingo. They had their work in boot con for the three minutes that they were uh, featured yeah. in the match. Highlight mm-hmm. of zero hour in a lot of ways, just mm-hmm. watching those two go nuts for a little while, just doing their Hiromu gig. Hiromu is one of the best in the world. Three minutes yeah. of yeah. him is a crime on this show. He should have had far more of a featured spot. One of my biggest yeah. criticisms of the entire thing was one the of the, miss one of the things that baffles me. Yeah, yeah, that baffles me that yeah. that Tony Khan has access to Hiromu and and Shingo for that matter, but especially Hiromu, a a signature. You put talent. him on the pre-show and what? And don't put him on Dynamite at all. I mean, you know, like yeah, no, nothing uh, on Collision, anything. nothing on Dynamite. Anything. I get yeah. that Lij was the last big bag of trips yeah. that Tony Khan had to reveal after two years of Forbidden Door and just really being like, mm-hmm. hey, oh yeah, here's the... and finally, there's more. I'm doing my Oprah drop right here. Uh, but wait, there's more. So what are they going to do next year? You know, that's the kind of question. But right now, like Hiromu is a guy that like he's money in the pocket. That crowd would have gone nuts for a bigger like mm-hmm. spotlight for him. Yep. And I don't know where that should have been on the card. Maybe you could have put him in the AEW international title match in some way, shape, or form. That might have been a pretty cool match, but I know that you want to give Daniel Garcia Mm -hmm. the opportunity to do that kind of thing, but Mm -hmm. you got to make room for Hiromu. Yep. Yep. That's a good, (laughs) that's just a good catchphrase. (laughs) You got to make room for Hiromu. Uh, I trademarked that if I could. Okay, World AEW World Title Match, MJF versus Hiroshi Tanahashi. Stephen, you had said it depends on whether Hiroshi Tanahashi has a good knee night or a bad <laughs> night. I would be willing to say we all agree he had a bad knee night. Yeah. One yeah. thing I'd like to this back was... up on that is, do you think it was unwise to do Tanahashi and Swerve the night before the show? Or do you think it would have been like this no matter what? Yeah, it would have been like this no matter what, but I, I think it was actually smart to do the thing to at least the fans could see Tanahashi win uh, one uh, and mm-hmm. put him over going into a match. Against Get one high fly flow out there this weekend. Yeah, well, if you want to call it, it's more even more like <laughs> more like a, a, a high fall forward. <laughs> I, look, I, Hiroshi Tanahashi is on Mount Rushmore of Japanese wrestling, probably. Yes. Uh, it, yeah, 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 it's close, but Arguably he's, he's up there. the most well-rounded performer in history. And yes, and 
the thing is, though, his body is betraying him, and he is an incredibly intelligent worker. And when I was on the show, I said what we're going to see is something that's not particularly physically taxing here, and it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, for God's sakes, there was a long abdominal stretch thing with the MJF grabbing the ropes. That that yeah. sequence would not have been out of place on a Madison Square Garden show in the eighties. No. Right, <laughs> I was uh, just thinking, yeah. Yeah, he just did the most old school stuff he could, stuff where they didn't have to run, stuff where they didn't have to jump a whole lot. And, uh, mm-hmm. but boy, Tanahashi's body is absolutely, I don't know how he's going to do the G1. And uh, he just can't really jump. He can't move. He can't run. But he did what he could do. And he worked MJF's leg into a point where MJF did a terrific job selling for him. You can tell that MJF really wanted to do well for Tanahashi mm-hmm. and tried mm-hmm. hard to make mm-hmm. Tanahashi look good. And even had to screw him over to beat him, you know, using the ring and things. That was a bit of respect, I think, to Tanahashi that he uh, played it like he was in jeopardy and then cheated to win. That's perfect mm-hmm. MJF heel work. Uh, but it, I think the days of Hiroshi Tanahashi having great matches may well be over. I, I kind of Don't say that too loud. <laughs> well, it's true, though. He, he's not wrong. Um, we. There was a lot of contentious argument last year where I was trying to tell people, yo, Hiroshi Tanahashi is not the guy that you think he is anymore. And so I have long ago made peace with this Hiroshi Tanahashi. So when people are having these kind of like discoveries or realizations Mm -hmm. that Hiroshi is not there, I forget that I've already been there and they are coming to conclusions that, uh, that, I've just I've been seeing it for a very long time now. This MJF yeah. match, I give all the credit in the world to MJF for making this match what it was. And mm. I've been critical about MJF as all hell as a main yeah. eventer champion doing all these things. And I said he loves New Japan. Everything about the way he was trolling New Japan says that he loves New Japan. I am still yeah. convinced he loves New Japan. I think this was a fanboy match for him to get one with Hiroshi Tanahashi, and he doesn't care if it was good or it was bad. He knows he did the best that he could, and he can live with that at the end of the day, and I can live with that too. He gets he gets to mark down in his journal that he carried Hiroshi Tanahashi to a good match. And he did. He's wrestling more than one match a month right now. Good for him. Yeah, good for him. Good for him. Yeah, he was even on rampage. Set the pace, buddy. The television in a row. He appeared four now, you times know, in one week. But this is again the dissidence that you, they have. They put Tanahashi in here, and I know you have to have a match with MJF and things. But you know, Hiromu's right. on the pre-show, and and a Tanahashi right. really can't move anymore. Is kind of put into a position yeah. where he's almost exposed that he can't climb the ropes even. But it, yeah. and it's yeah. something that Ghetto knows too. By the way, like when Tanahashi's in the G1 these days, he doesn't score that many points. It's just they yeah. know that it's the time is passing, and uh, you know it's just a word hasn't gotten quite to Tony Khan yet. Yeah, yeah, and and that that's it. You know what's interesting about that, and when you look in terms of like, um, I don't know, chips to play when you're talking about Ghetto and Tony Khan, of like, you know, you're exchanging equity in a way of like, what am I willing mm-hmm. to sacrifice to in order to get this, you know, that kind of thing? Like, offering Hiroshi Tanahashi to lose your world champion is an easy give, easy yeah. give. You know, mm-hmm. to say, oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, no, he'll he'll do. Great. Yeah. You know, he'll. he'll <laughs> yes. He'll. Yeah. He'll give your guy a great match. Don't worry. You know, 
Yeah. And, and, but kind of the same way with uh, with Tony and uh, Jungle Boy. Like, they both were like, Ooh. you know. Ooh, I got hey, thoughts about that, man. Jungle Boy can <laughs> lose because I'm just going to, all I'm doing is I'm not interested in in impressing people with the IWGP champion. I'm not interested in putting over the IWGP champion as much Let's as I Let's talk about two guys not interested in a match. Yeah. 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 We'll get, we'll get yeah. to that one. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Rough stuff there. Uh, we can get to it right to now. now. Why not? We'll, we'll, yeah, let's, <laughs> okay. we'll, 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 we'll come back to the four-way. But um, well, yeah, I think I think yeah. Sonata knew that that was an angle and not a match. Right. Uh, I also think that Sonata is was well by far the least over of the New Japan guys. Even Easy. just walking down the aisle, it, he didn't yeah. come off as special. Even carrying that mm-hmm. belt right there, that was a step back for him. Uh, yeah. The match with Perry all eyes were on hook the whole time, including the camera, right. which kept cutting to hook right. in the middle of moves. But AEW's mm-hmm. production is kind of crap. Sometimes it's, there's a lot of high school stuff with AEW production. Yeah. Um, especially that six man match at the end, they missed almost every spot. That director was, I don't know if he yeah. was just asleep from yeah. the Omega match, but there, there were issues with that one and this one as right. well, where they right. just whiffed on things. But, uh yeah, I, it's, Sonata kind of knew that he wasn't the focus here and that this was all uh, an angle for those other guys. So Sonata absolutely went through the motions and didn't try very hard there. And, he didn't you know, the, do his own finish. Yeah. And the match was the match was kind of there. And even everyone knew what was going <laughs> to that it was about this right. angle. So everyone was kind of waiting for the match to end to see the angle. Everyone was waiting yeah. for that. And so actually... that's what you got. I actually kind of, you know, because part of the deal was him saying, Hey hook, I need you to back me up. Right. I need you to need you to have my back. And I'm like, against who? Like this isn't house of torture, you know, like Doki's not going to be like trying to interfere during this match. And I kind of was almost expecting that because of how they presented Doki on, uh, Friday, Friday, or was it Saturday? Anyway. Yeah. It was was rampage. Wasn't it? It was rampage. (laughs) Uh, I can't keep the track of the shows anymore. Um, because of how he was received there, I thought they might give Doki a moment or something where at least there was a little interaction between him and Hook to at least at least kind of play that off. But no, he walked off he with Sonata and... at the end. Mm-hmm. He was out there. I mean, he was at yeah, ringside. He walked, he, he walked mm-hmm. Sonata away after Sonata had won. Yeah, and so I was like, oh, cool, Doki's there. That's yeah. nice. Um, I put myself out there a lot defending Sonata saying, nah, this guy's going to come out there. He's going to have a good match and he's going to shut up all the detractors that say like, I don't see the the charisma void in, mm-hmm. in Sonata. All I took away from this is that he did not give a single F about working this show. He cares about working in Japan he cares about working for the New Japan fans. He cares about the angles that he's got going on over there. He had a very Keiji Muda match where he showed up, did what he was told he had to do, even did the move called at the end and clocked out and went home. <laughs> and it was incredibly frustrating because yeah. you're sitting there going like, dude, everybody's saying like, show us what you got. This is your opportunity. This is your time yeah. to be like, I'm Sonata, mic drop. I'm going to have a banger with Jungle Boy, Jack Perry. And then you do nothing. Like, yeah. you just, you have a match. You have a match in the middle of the card. You don't, you don't do anything so, extra. You don't, you don't yeah. get the charisma. It's frustrating. 
I, I feel like I know the way you're going to answer this, but um, hypothetically, let's just say the match was uh, Sonata defending the title one-on-one against Hangman Page. Do you okay. think Sonata... I, I think obviously we would think it's a better match, but do you think Sonata... Do you think Sonata's in a position where he is right now with the recent change and everything that he could have gotten over to that degree with the, this crowd? Cause it seems like that crowd I, is very in tune with new Japan as a concept, but maybe wasn't like up to speed past like Russell kingdom, which is kind of where need I was. A, you need a heel to against Sonata. Sonata is portrayed as a classic baby face. So when you have a guy on the precipice of being a heel and not actually heel, the dynamic is all out of whack. You're, mm. you're sitting there with this, this dynamic that people don't, they want to pull the trigger. They don't think it's going to happen. It's not happening during the match. And meanwhile, you have this so plain vanilla baby face acting like nothing is happening. Um, you needed a guy like Swerve to be his opponent, mm. someone that you could really play off as being like a completely dastardly heel to show that he's like the strength of the IWGP title. Yeah. That is a, that's a really, that would, that would have been a great matchup. I think. Yeah. I thought so too. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's uh, sorry. I had to get that, that out of my system. No, that's great. <laughs> we must have Sonata discourse. Um, Four-way for the international title, Orange Cassidy defeated Katsuyori Shibata, Daniel Garcia, and Zack Sabre Jr. As they all entered the ring, the thought occurred to me that I wished Daniel Garcia had some sort of title (laughs) because I would have liked to have seen all four men go in and defend the titles, and then whichever one pins the other wins the title that he pinned the guy for. But, Mm. you know, we kind of all knew who was taking the loss in this, the guy who didn't have to lose the title. Yeah. you but could I felt call like it this. Was, yeah. You could call this the application for the USPS for all four of these guys. And boy, <laughs> did they deliver! Whoa! Uh, yeah. That. Do you have that one in your pocket? I was waiting for it. I thought I could do a James uh, McDaniel uh, <laughs> drop right there for you. <laughs> there was a lot of fun stuff in this match. I love uh, Zach and Shibata's work together. The whole idea that they were doing a chop battle while abdominally stretching the other two was yes. amusing. They yeah. continued the chop battle even once they were clamped into sleepers. <laughs> they were they were starting to nod off from the sleeper holds, yeah. and they are still over there chopping each other. So they were having fun with it there. Uh, the you know The story here was... Orange Cassidy's frenemy relationship mm-hmm. with Katsuyori Shibata. They even did the classic WWE finish that's been part of every triple threat for Fatal yes. Four Way in WWE history in the last five years, which is someone hits their finisher, you throw them out of the ring. Yeah. And, uh, and that would have been crapped on heavily if it were a WWE thing. In this right. case, just because they don't do it, because every it's time. Orange Cassidy too, and it's Orange, and of course the whole idea is that he and Shibata are frenemies. You know, they, there's right. not this is all going to explode anyway, and they're going to wrestle each other. Yeah. We understand that uh, that that works, and and you know it keeps it keeps uh, it keeps Orange is the champion. Everybody keeps their belts, mm-hmm. uh, of course, and then you know Garcia, the one guy that that doesn't need to be protected, takes the fall. It was fine, and the action itself was a very entertaining. Uh, 11 minutes and 29 seconds. I mean, that, that felt like five minutes. It just breezed yeah. right by and, and uh, smiling the whole time. 
these guys really enjoy working with each other. These guys like each other a lot, you know, like Shibata and Zach. Yeah. Shibata and Zach, when Shibata came back, had a uh, exhibition and Zach was the guy that he picked for that. And so, and Orange and Zach like each other. There's clips of them goofing off and some autograph signing. And then, you know, so all that came through because it, it looked like everybody was having fun out there in the best way. It seems like they're not done too. The 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 way the match was ended, it um, not just the ending of the match, but the uh, post match. It seemed mm-hmm. like Zach was, you know, it seemed like well, okay, well now we've got Daniel out of the way. Let's uh, <laughs> you know, let's continue this. Almost like it's going to be like next time, you know, uh, Zach will get pinned next time, and then it'll just be Shibata and Orange or something. You know, like he's like whittling his way down or something. Yeah. So, so I'll be interested to see if they do. This is a great match, but I got a question for you guys. I am under the impression that most people seem to think that Katsuyori Shibata is still primarily a New Japan wrestler that is out on loan in AEW. But it really does seem like he's just an AEW wrestler now, right? That's what well, remember, the last like. the last time he went on to a New Japan show, he went into business for himself. So there's yeah. a little yeah. bit of uh, steam on that. I, for, I don't he know if everybody... He left the dojo, that... is that right? He left the Yeah, he's not at the dojo anymore. Yeah. The, uh, uh, Kushida, walking the, the earth, and a bunch of other guys are running it over there now. He's kind of old school, Shibata. He's just the... Uh, he's just the just a rogue, just a rogue, independent uh, rogue guy. Yeah, <laughs> he just. But this time he just into having fun. But they have done an excellent job in Ring of Honor and AEW to position him without actually challenging it that he's not a New Japan guy. He's got the yeah. whole New Japan presentation, and mm-hmm. it's all part of his mystique. music. Everything, everything. But he's not actually with New Japan anymore. It is yeah. a fascinating presentation with him. Well, they have, a, they have a new one. They have Ren Narita now. You don't need Shibata anymore. That's right. <laughs> that match is going to be great when they go they back gotta, to that at some point. <laughs> they got a tribute act. There's a Ren yeah. Narita's a Katsuyori Shibata tribute act. So I struggle with Ren for that reason because I because Oh, he's great. Is, Shibata he's is really good. If, in my, you know, if there were seat creator wrestlers in real life, <laughs> Shibata would be like ground I, up. I will tell you, there was a match with Ren Narita and juke robinson on strong about october of last year where ren narita beat the hell out of juke beat him and won the match a no disqualification just no hold barred just tear down match in the middle of like nowhere last year october it was I amazing and i need to catch I, I, I really need to get more familiar with this upcoming new generation of uh guys that are getting ready Oh, you'll get your opportunity. They will be front and center for a while. And one other thing about Ren Narita is he's Shibata without the real dumbass tendencies. Because one thing about Shibata, <laughs> I, I love Shibata, but he does some of the dumbest things in the world. That's like the That's where he subdermal hematoma. That single trickle of blood. Yeah. The subdermal hematoma that almost killed him is really one of yeah. the most knuckleheaded things anyone's ever done, which Literally. is full blow headbutt Okada yeah. on the top of his head. I don't get safe. Not the safe Which, part of Okada's head. It was no. reckless to his opponent. It was yeah. stupid to himself, and he almost yep. killed himself doing it. And right. Shibata still does dumb shit like that. And mm. uh, so Narita is all of Shibata's talent without the dumbass. Yeah. My God, I still I'm, can't I'm believe they removed his brain from his skull. I know. Oh. Modern science in Japan, man. <laughs> I think that was the, Don Callis. I believe was on the call for that match when it happened, and. Don Callis was yeah. on the call for that match when it happened. I think he, I remember him saying something like his stomach turned over when he heard the thought. Yeah. 
from that. Oh, yeah, I remember was that. That that visceral. Other than that, other than he nearly died in that spot that might have been my favorite match of all time like before i knew it's a hell of a match you know was he was stumbling match. off i was like oh that spot looked really bad and he does not look well what an amazing seller and then i found out he's not selling he did almost die mm-hmm. and it put a damper i resist for going 12 back hours that there match. that was my favorite match yeah i've watched but it's a hell of a match it the up until the moment where he does that headbutt, because I believe he no sells the Rainmaker right before it, right? If I remember, yeah, they were doing the thing where he hits and he doesn't really move. He hits, yeah. he doesn't even move, and I, that was like that was the Kenny Omega kick out at one spot mm-hmm. for me <laughs> at that time. That was amazing. Yeah, I've, I'll always love Shibata, even though he's crazy and foolish. <laughs> he's nut. Yeah. All right, this is probably my second favorite match on the show. The uh, ten man, cool. Uh, the elite, uh, Hung Bucks, Young Bucks, and Hangman Kenny Omega, and I think that's all the nicknames they have. Um, Eddie Kingston, Tomohiro Ishii defeated uh, Blackpool Combat Club, Kanosuke Takeshita, and Shota Umino when Ishii got the pin uh, over Yuta. Right? Yeah. Uh, Vertical I, drop, brain. Buster. I thought this match was great. I really enjoyed it. I'm not a huge fan of 10 mans. I do have an issue with, I, I like faction warfare, but what I like about faction warfare is when they do different combinations of matchups. Mm-hmm. And lately all we've been getting is the sort of like group versus group stuff. And I feel like everyone's getting lost. So what I liked about this match was the individual interactions that was happening within it. Uh, both with Eddie and Mox. It was a great story. I loved watching that and thinking, oh, I need to see a singles match there. I need to see Takeshita versus Ishii. I need to see Takeshita versus Hangman. I need to see Claudio and Yuta versus the Bucks. I need to see Eddie and Mox. You know, like so much was that, that to me, that match did what I think 10 match, match, 10 man matches should do, which is get you excited about the combinations of people that you haven't seen before. Yeah, that's very well said. And this was a good example of it. Right now, Blackpool Combat Club is on a bit of a roll in doing these multi-person matches because they had a fantastic match at Dominion. That was a six-man tag involving the those guys. The king of the fivals. Yeah, and it, it did. Ha- this match had chapters in it. It had the yeah. whole thing where they got everybody to their feet for Moxley and uh, Eddie. There were spot. everyone was fascinated with Takeshita and Ishii. First time those two had mm-hmm. ever been in the ring together, and they tore yeah. it up. I loved uh, when the Hung Bucks went nuts on Takeshita and finally got a chance to get some yeah. offense in on them, and everything they did looked wonderful. And yeah, I they just looked, hit they everything. Did look great. And uh, yeah, all the stuff with Eddie and Claudio and the subtext there. And then Eddie's, you know, the, the, Eddie took this match. The storyline is Eddie took this match, didn't even care who his partners were, doesn't like any of them. Screw those guys. I just want to punch Claudio in the head. That's really the, the only reason he's in this match. So when it comes down to the Bucks about to super kick Moxley, he's like, no, 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 not him. <laughs> and throws himself in the way of it. There's just so many things going on, and all of it was entertaining. So I, mm-hmm. I, I love this one. And uh, aside from the, the, the two main events, yeah, absolutely my favorite uh, match on the, the show after those, which are on a whole other level. But this was fun. I might have liked this more than Okada and Danielson in a different way. It's possible that you could argue that New Japan multi-man matches hit differently than AEW multi-man matches. And this is no different. This felt 
like a New Japan match, even though there were one, two, three, seven, at least seven members of the AEW roster in this match. So you could tell that the layout and the style was much more New Japan-centric, and I was grateful for that because I think it made it uh, a more cohesive match. Now, I will tell you, Takeshita and Ishii together, I want more of that, and I want mm. a lot of it. That was <laughs> yeah. amazing stuff. And mm. I know that they are positioning Takeshita for a very big spot. It seems abundantly clear that we are yep. heading towards a collision course of Takeshita and Omega in some kind of main event in AEW pay-per-view yeah. in the foreseeable future. And he has taken that ball and run with it. Um, the elite, Adam Page, Jackson, Nick Jackson, I might have said it a few seconds ago, I'm not sure. They felt like afterthoughts of this match. They felt like they were the... There were New Japan people where they're just put into a match and mm-hmm. like, okay, we got to get these guys on there and we're going to put the whole match together. I'm not sure if they needed to be in this match. You could have put anybody in this match feuding with the Blackpool Combat Club. They just happen to be feuding with them right now. Uh, there was some kind of disconnect for me about their motivations of being in there and everything like that, other than they just don't like Blackpool. So you, you had the story, you had this match, Something didn't quite click for me in it, but I know that it's just a minor grievance given all the amazing stuff that we saw all together yeah. in the match. I am, I'm just going to be like quibble moving. Yeah. On. I, don't, I, yeah I, I agree. I, I think, I think the elite, I think the elite and especially the bucks right now are kind of aimless as far as how they're being presented because they're in this blood feud with the Blackpool comic club and I don't know what the personal grievances between the Jackson brothers and any members of them are other than Mox, you know, beat up hangman. Like when I see hangman engage with those people, I see the inner, I see the dynamic with the bucks. Well, yeah, I just I mean, see the bucks it, doing buck stuff, which well, is yeah, you're good right. stuff. You're right. I, I will say that. I mean, remember Danielson came back and beat the living hell out of uh, Kenny. So I mean, these guys yeah. keep attacking their friends, I guess is the whole right, thing. But it, that's what I mean. It's all by proxy. It's like, yeah, it's, it's it's indirect. Yeah, it's not perfect, but yeah, you're right. It's it's not perfect, but yeah, it, all their buddies just keep getting their asses kicked. So Matt and Nick try to help them. That's that's really all they got for it if so they, far. I, I did had... think that when they shined, they really shined in this match. Yes. I thought they were no, they did. They look really crisp. They look yeah. super crisp. They look great. It just comes uh, down to like, at some point, I wish they would have said, you know what, we've been a shitty friend to you, Adam Page. So no matter how this goes, we are here with you every step of the way against the Blackpool Combat Club. Anytime you have a fight with them, we have a fight with them. And if you just said that and they're in with every fight I with love Adam that. Page, you could have just yeah. done that. But That's the they kind just, of stuff it's, a, see, it's yeah. a mixed step. Yeah. The forgotten man in this match, by the way, was Shoto Umino, who you would barely Yeah, I just before. remembered him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah showed uh, unfortunately because forbidden door one he was the guy that really shined coming out of it right. that was that you didn't expect and uh came out of it just thinking wow i want to see more of that guy and uh this year he was in a big match and you didn't see more of him <laughs> it was like he was barely yeah. there so uh that that didn't happen at dominion he he had his he had his moments there but in this one he was in the backseat I would yeah. love a bookend of MJF having a match with Hiroshi Tanahashi this year and then having a match with Shota Umino next year, who in a lot of ways is a spiritual successor to That's what, uh, one of my favorite comments in the Discord last <laughs> night. I think it was Paul. 
uh, Fontaine. He he he, met, he, the, he gets them all the time. In the in the <laughs> ten man, he goes. I don't know what everyone's talking about. Tanahashi looks great in this match. <laughs> New Japan does that though. They do generations. The, the, yeah. They'll bring. Yeah. They. I mean, a couple of times they've used the same character, like Tiger Mask and the Black Tiger right, and things. Right. But they've they they will give you another one of those guys. You know, and and yeah. that is what they're doing with Tanahashi right now. Is they're making Shota into a, a new Tanahashi. Carl, what else you got for us? Uh, Tony Storm defeated Willow Nightingale in uh, the uh, designated women's match, uh, which uh, everyone had hoped had been involved some sort of woman from Japan. But Tony Storm busted out the stardom tights, which she insisted were not a stardom tribute. tribute. Uh, this was a good match. Why, why is Jeremy? I growing? thought it was this good. good. I thought it was good. I thought Tony looked great. I think she looked yeah, like times uh, yeah. in that match. Um, you know. Willow, I think we're all rooting for Willow to get the trust that I think she all deserves. Um, and maybe she has it, and they're just not pulling the trigger yet. But um, it's a good match. I don't know. Jeremy, what do you, what you got? Tony, Tony is the champion, and she is rightfully, and she has stepped up and gotten the confidence that she has been lacking for a long time. Yeah. And I am happy to see where she, at, where she is at and the position that she is at. Willow Nightingale not getting the support from Tony Khan uh, to really push her when he had the opportunity to do so, I find it frustrating. And uh, by the time most people are listening to this, there will have been news coming out that Willow Nightingale will be defending her title against Julia from Stardom probably on the 4th or 5th of July. And if I could read the writing on the wall, it doesn't seem mm-hmm. like Will Nightingale is going to be the champion for very much longer. So I did a deep sigh because in my mind, I just thought, well, at least it was polite that they waited until after the match with Tony Storm to announce the Julia match was probably <laughs> going to happen. So that yeah. they could get Julia and Mercedes Monet at some point for the strong title and we go in that direction. Right. It... It was just frustrating because I wanted more for Willow, and I know that there are better days ahead for her, but sometimes you just you just want to see people strike when the iron is hot on like yes. a talent. When you get handed yeah. something like that on a platter and yeah. you decide, oh, that, you know, that's nice, but I'll just pass. It's a fair point. It is odd that Willow doesn't seem to be nearly as over with the booker as she is with the fans. This, yeah. Fans are there for it. We're, we're, we're ready. And uh, Tony doesn't feel seem to feel like he I, is I, yet. Obviously, I've I've never heard him speak about her uh, or know what his inner thoughts are about her. But my impression is, I bet Tony thinks that he that she is over with him. But he but like he's like I bet if he were asked at a presser, he'd be like, "Oh, I love Willow. She's great. Fans love her. She's awesome." But like, yeah. Plans. But like, I, yeah. This is not in the plans right now. Yeah, but I mean, it won't get let, let me and, let me show you yeah. my handwritten uh, spreadsheet that I have with my, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, like he'll have it all. Laid but you out see, this why, doesn't you know. link to this one down here, right. and if that doesn't happen, it all falls apart. Analytics. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You're telling me that sh- that Willow couldn't have done what Statlander did with Jade Cargill and all that. I mean, that and especially oh, yeah. coming off. Of, I mean, according to plan. Tony Khan yeah. has yeah. a plan. Yeah. It's got a plan. Yeah. All right, I think that covered. That's uh, well, uh, CM Punk and Satoshi. You want to talk Punk? Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> who? 
Oh, uh, the cult yeah, of personality totally. himself. I don't know if that was a mistake or a Freudian thing so or we what. We can talk about yeah, that yeah. and talk about CM that Punk ball collision. <laughs> well, I'd rather talk about Kojima in this one because this is a good example of a guy who can still go yeah, at an advanced age. And the nice thing about this is you had that Toronto crowd who was pissed at Punk. And so yeah. they, they, they absolutely... <laughs> reacted to punk as the heel which put Mm -hmm. kojima in what is at his current state his best role which is the the plucky underdog which is not an easy thing to if you think about it the accolades he's had he's in one of the greatest tag teams of all time he's a career grand slam winner held the iwgp triple crown and ghc titles uh, in his uh in his uh, career and just one of the most decorated guys. I think he's won three G1s for the low, and he still comes off as an underdog in some of this stuff. But yeah. he's incredibly charismatic. He's a terrific baby face. He has wonderful fire up. So this is a good opponent for Punk as a heel, as somebody who mm-hmm. can give him a tussle. Punk can overcome and be the asshole that beats the plucky underdog and, and piss yeah. off the crowd. So this was an example of a, a, a good uh, this is an excellent opponent in this circumstance, this situation yeah. for Punk, and I thought the match was pretty damn good. I thought it was pretty. I thought it was pretty good. I would not go as high as some people have, but uh, um, but I I really enjoyed it a lot because of the atmosphere, a lot because of what you said that Kojima Morton carried his own, and clearly Punk, you know, has, he talked about him years ago. They've you know they talked about that 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 Kojima is someone that Punk probably has paid a lot of attention to and studied over time and, and, and pulled moves from like, there's a lot of things uh-huh. he does. So he knows what to do with Kojima. And yeah. well, when uh, punk, when punk was coming up, Kojima was the guy that he was one of yeah, the, right. always in the mix. One of the top stars in new Japan as punk was coming yeah. up. So he's definitely somebody yeah. that punk would have seen in big main events while he was learning. Right. Right. I, I'm starting to change how I feel about CM punk. And I can't remember the last time that I was more interested in a CM Punk match rather than being interested in CM Punk building a match. Mm. All the things that I like about CM Punk are in anticipation and the build. But once you get actually get into the matches lately, they aren't the world-ending thing so no. far. And maybe he needs to get his legs back under him. Maybe, you know, there is a shift in whatever. I'm going to get hit for, like, bro, he's only had two or three matches since he's back. Like, slow your roll here. But that collision open with the the promo and the yeah. video and then the build to those matches, that got me way more fired up than when he actually was in the match. The dude, love him or hate him, you are watching him and you are interested in what he's doing, but the in-ring isn't really doing it for me right now. And he's mm-hmm. had at least 25, 30 minutes of like decent in-ring camera time at this point. So there is a body of work here. I just hope it he he's able to do more than what he's doing right now. But his promo to get us ready for these matches, top shelf. He seemed like his wind wasn't quite there in this. Uh, there, I think he just doesn't have quite. He's just not quite in uh, ring shape. Yeah, uh, yet. But he'll get there. But I I think a lot of it is he's working really safe right now. I think he knows his last two major matches. Well, actually, sorry. The, the first injury was a freak thing, but aggravated during the match that he did. But, but I think he I think he's a little gun shy on on 
on sitting out. Maybe you got the yips a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. I th- I, mm-hmm. yeah, I think he's like I'm. I think this match was probably good for him to shake that off. Uh, having a you know a pretty a pretty hard hitting match and getting to actually just be the guy and have the whole depend whole match depend on you and your opponent instead of you know picking your spots and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I think it's probably good for him. Uh, really looking forward to the Samojo match that I assume is happening in the second round. And whatever uh, Jay White match comes down the line, mm-hmm. like yeah. That, you, I feel like there's Instagram... got to be a Jay White match coming. Did you see his Instagram post about Jay White today? No. He, he posted a picture. It was a photo from Collision where Jay White's doing the Bullet Club thing into his head, like Punk uh-huh. pointing in Punk's forehead. And then the second story was a, a shot from the movie Looper with uh, Bruce Willis sitting across the table from Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who's playing a yeah. younger Bruce Willis in the movie, sent back in time to it. kill him, I think. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's like, I mean, that's an endorsement. That's him saying, this guy's the new CM Punk. I, I see you and me, my friend. Yeah. Well, that, <laughs> yeah. that one should be done. That one should be done that weekend in Chicago in September because if it, they would need somebody who can be a real heel and make sure to bring out the baby face in Chicago for Pump. Punk and Jay White could certainly do something like that. I wonder how Punk's promos are going to be after taking a flying elbow to the bait and tackle. <laughs> well, uh, what I what I love, what I love, folks. If you that... if you haven't seen the flying elbow that Kojima gave to him, yeah. boy, and, and he, let's just say Randy Savage, very eloquent, <laughs> even Randy Savage, the irony, about that. the yeah. irony oh, of crap. that happening after the night before on Collision, where he starts his promo with. Jay White and the Bullet Club, give your balls a tug because CM Punk <laughs> and the best in the world is coming for you. <laughs> so, Kojima didn't line. give him a tug, but he gave him, a, he gave him quite, <laughs> gave him a, quite a jolt. Him a taste of gun medicine. <laughs> <laughs> I really, oh, I mean, you're, you're laying there, right? You got a guy who's like a 30 year veteran <laughs> about to give you a flying elbow. The last thing you think you need to worry about. Right. <laughs> taking one right in the frankenbeans oh my lord in the groceries all right we are 133 i do want to hit a couple more things if you guys have time uh, any other thoughts on forbidden door uh looking forward to next year yeah, Fun show. yeah. I mean, that's that's the main thing. I mean, what, did everything go perfectly in the main event? No, it did not. This was a hell of an entertaining show. There was a lot of fun stuff on it. And uh, when they do it again next year, I'm, I'm confident they'll come up with some uh, fun and interesting things for that as well. So the how all... how, uh, how how likely do you think it would be, and uh, how excited how uh, how how excited would you be if? Uh, um, this became something where they did it twice a year and okay. Two options. One, they do it twice a year and, um, they do, and they have a new Japan hosted forbidden door with AEW talent, uh, say in the Tokyo dome or, um, something like that, maybe part of the Tokyo dome or next year, uh, Tony still AEW show, but next year they they do it in Tokyo. I'm I think that's intriguing. I would rather see Forbidden Door once a year and maybe alternate sites, perhaps. Timing-wise, uh, time slot-wise, that's really challenging to do one yeah, from uh, yeah. Japan Live. I don't I don't see a Forbidden Door being hosted with AEW talent. Now that they're running three dates a week and yeah. the build, given how they built the show in Japan, which was non-existent on the mm-hmm. New Japan side, 
I don't see them spending a whole lot of equity and capital building an AEW show there, and AEW won't build a show over there. So I think it needs to remain a one-year thing. You could yeah. do it in Japan, and I think that's entirely feasible, working and doing something like that at the Tokyo Dome. I would like to see that more. Um, but Forbidden Door should just be one time a year. You know, like, I want to yeah. see Okada only one time a year in AEW. You know, like, I want to yeah, see him sense. at Forbidden Door time and no other time of the year. Keep it that yeah. special yeah. attraction and, like, do not dilute it in any way, shape, or form. Because this is a really special time. We're all getting together. Yeah. We're all yeah. learning different things about different promotions. And if you keep doing that throughout the year, it it just doesn't hit the same. And if you want it to be more of a co-promotion than what this is, which is AEW hosting a show and bringing in New Japan guys for however they bill it, that's what this is. They're bringing yes. in New Japan guys to do an AEW show. If you want New Japan more involved in it and uh, a lot more involved in the booking and in the storylines, and you got to move it the hell out of where it is because it's right in the middle of Dominion and G1. And right yeah. now, New Japan is just too busy building matches for right. those. And it's it's more of a priority for New Japan also because that's a company that relies on ticket sales, merchandise, live mm -hmm. events, not pay-per-view. So their master is to put people at Dominion and put people in G1. Right. This was something where we'll send talent over there for a week, then they can do Mexico, then yeah. everybody like back so we can start building them. G1. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, and so, it, but if you actually want them to build things, what if you watch New Japan yeah. week to week, they were building Dominion, not Forbidden Door. Yeah. And now we're going forward. It's not about Forbidden Door, it's about G1. So it would yeah. have to move off of there. And this timing works out well for AEW, so just leave it there once a year, I think. That's kind of my AEW has too. one big co-promoted show. New Japan, right. is, this is like their they fifth one this year. Right. Yeah, they're they're all like right. the fifth one. This is just and one when, day on the calendar for them. And when second Japan, one this month, right? And when New Japan wants AEW stars on their show, they really, for the most part, just have to ask. Other than the top guy, you know, like mm -hmm. they're gonna mm -hmm. get at least one or two. Uh, they really can look at the calendar on NewJapan.com, like at New Night and right. New, New, JPW nineteen seventy two, like everyone else, and yeah. see who's available on the card, and say, "Hey, right. this guy's not on there. Can we use him?" And they'll be like, yeah. "Yeah, probably." Yeah, like they're pretty transparent about who's available when. Yeah. All right, couple of items I wanted to hit. First of all, our condolences to Filthy Tom Lawler, who had the, who oh. had the opportunity of his pro wrestling career to have a match on the yeah. pay per view with Adam Cole canceled because Adam Cole showed up with a fever that also is ailing our friend James McDaniel uh, so Damn, um, those two have yeah. got to stop partying effing, together effing, get right. effing gutted is what he tweeted about it and I feel yeah. so bad Tom Lawler has the worst luck oh god yes yes he does yes he does he got boned out of the G1 this year just because there was too much talent yeah. at the top and he just he did not make the cut for the way of other veterans like Chase Owens, who you could argue, you know, could have gone either mm -hmm. way. But there are reasons I'm sure that they have lined up for him. This was supposed to be the, you know, like you didn't get the G1. Hey, you know what? We're going to put you on Forbidden Door and, and yep. we're going to give you this sweet spot. And it just doesn't happen. And when it just propagated through all the social circles, you just felt it. You just, because yeah, everybody you just kept quiet it. to... Yeah keep it quiet about the surprise on rampage. Yep. Like I had not seen this level of sincerity and respect on protecting a spoiler as much as I yeah. had seen this one. People were legitimately happy that this was happening. 
And so, like, for it to not happen was just, man, I hope you get your makeup and I hope it costs him. <laughs> I, you know, that's the, the one upside is that Tony Khan is someone who likes to make good to people. Yeah. When, when, yeah. when they, he, 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 he's sort of empathetic in that way as a promoter. Like, I think Tony Khan knows how much that probably meant to Tom um, and probably feels genuinely bad about it. So I would expect, uh, I would predict and expect probably, uh, if not this week on Dynamite, um, we see that match. Uh, number one, I think they'll do the match. And number two, I think he will actually look at him. I would not be shocked. I wouldn't expect this, but I would not be shocked if they had a good match and we saw that all elite graphic uh, come up. I could see him on Ring of Honor uh, also. Like That would be a he, good fit for him. He would be mm-hmm. really good at Ring of Honor. He's got a week in the States before he's got to go to Japan for the Independence Day Strong shows, mm-hmm. and then he'll be back after that. So if they want to pull yeah, the trigger I, on that on that match for Adam I Cole, say that. He's probably under contract, so I don't know if they would. Uh, he might. I don't think he is, actually. I think he, okay. he does dates. It's, it's okay. a loose thing, but uh, he's not. I don't think he's as firmly with New Japan as one would be led to well, believe. At any rate, all the best, Tom Lawler. We yeah. all, all pretty much anyone who's uh, hosting a wrestling podcast roots for him. We're all just <laughs> we want that guy to get signed yeah. to make all the money and have make a all the money, all the money. All right, last thing I want to hit on. I feel like this is uh, we buried the lead here, but I feel like we must discuss. Uh, the cultural impact of Miss Harley Cameron on Rampage uh, in her segment with the acclaimed where she laid down some just fire on the mic. She was better than I expected. <laughs> she like was, I legitimately she like was, I was, was expecting like good. terrible, terrible, yeah. like <laughs> terrible lines. And she, yeah. she, she was crisp. She had it. She knew what she was doing. And I was just like, yeah, all right. Sit back. Let's, let's watch what this is. So all I can imagine is that Tony Khan discovered, like in catering, he found out that she could do this <laughs> and was like, what? Why didn't you tell me this? Let's get you on Rampage tonight. And did this. And they have no idea what they're going to do with it. Shows, it shows you how delicate this whole situation is. Like with the, she does that maybe in catering, and he hears it and puts her on. Uh, Darren Drozdov told someone within earshot of Vince McMahon, "Hey, I can puke on command." Right, <laughs> he's gonna puke. <laughs> so it's a very delicate balance as to what you yeah. do in the back there. You got to be careful. There's but, yeah. something with Harley Cameron. <laughs> there's like, something there's there. something there. And I, oh, yeah. I'm not sure like, what it there's is. There's a but diamond in the rough, but like, there's more diamond than rough. If I could, if, yeah. if there's the best way to put it, there is. Yeah. Yeah, I think there is an effective use for. We just don't know what it is yet. But yeah, let's talk. About, let's talk thing. a little bit about how times have changed. That Anthony Bowen yes. got on the microphone yes. and said, "Hey, I'm gay," and it got a baby face pop. That wouldn't have happened. A few and they years chanted, ago. "He's gay." Yeah. yeah. Yeah, posi- yeah, in a positive way. I mean, they, 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 the the wrestling business has had a lot of 
uh, gay performers over the years, some mm -hmm. uh, that, uh, you know, stayed in the closet, some that were only uh, in the closet to the crowd, but everyone knew right. in the back and all that. Let's be honest, but a shameful and embarrassing history when it comes to LGBTQ. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, their on-camera portrayal has been a nightmare, really, until very, very recently. But uh, seeing Bowen's just kind of, you know, and the way he delivered the line, the way the people uh, right. pop for the line, it, that was like, all right, I'm kind of proudly it was kind of proud to be her the way that they reacted the way they reacted to her line he before he even said it when she said i know, like, I know you're into me you know and so he's dumb, and, and, and yeah <laughs> and everyone's like were, oh come on uh, actually if i could just uh but yeah <laughs> yeah you're like oh cringe you know this, like they played it really really well and yeah. it was brave for them to go that route with the promo because yeah. the whole point of the promo was for him to loudly pronounce comedically, you dumb woman, I'm gay, I'm yeah. not into you. And everyone's like, hell yeah, he's gay, he's not into you at all. <laughs> you right. Oh, and John Morrison showed up. Uh, Johnny QTV. <laughs> Johnny QTV. Yeah. I, the hey, only you know, thing I the family. can think of. Yeah, that's true. I, I almost hesitate to say this, but I wonder if they were to do, if they were to stretch this out and have Harley continue to try to uh, seduce Anthony Bowens repeatedly and try to lure him over to the dark side, I'm going to turn him and have him just completely like, just <laughs> that'd be the most horrible thing. They, Matt Caster and Harley should be doing rap battles and they should actually like, she should become part of the act. And so when he's wrestling, she's the one spitting raps, and they can all be a part of the acclaimed. <laughs> that could actually a much better use for it. Could get the entire yeah, act even more over. <laughs> that's much better and less problematic than what I just suggested. <laughs> well, you know, Harley has something. They're probably going to take a lower common denominator approach with it. It is wrestling, but uh, she's going to get over though. She's going to get. Yeah, over. she she's got something. All right. Uh, let's, uh, I was going to talk five forever. I'm going to wait till that comes out and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll try to talk to Garrett, see if we can pull together a, a little discussion of that game. Oh, thank God. I, I haven't played a video game since Super Mario <laughs> Brothers. That, that, that game was... is downloading on my switch right now and it'll be ready. My elite edition purchase will be ready on Mario uh, Brothers. One. Both of them. Everything. Uh, Mario, Mario, Duck Mario Hunt? Yeah, it doesn't have Duck Hunt too. I used to play Duck Hunt. Wait frequently, my friend. I am not that young. No, I, you know, I, that, that was, that seriously was the last video game system was the original. With, with the, with the hound dog. Going, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you know, the yeah. thing, and I, but I want to, I want to make clear that the, the reason for that is not, I don't play video games because I think they're dorky. I do, I don't play video games uh, because I think they're for, for, you know, shut ins, whatever, all that crap. I don't play them because I think they're probably fantastic and I don't have time to have another obsession. That's, that's kind of how I am too. It, it, I don't have like, time. I, I, I either need to devote myself and get good at them or yeah. I'm just frustrated because I can't, I can't have as much fun as everyone else is because I yeah. can't spend the time. So for all, for all the gamers out there, I'm staying away probably because they're too great. <laughs> they're probably absolutely wonderful. I believe you that they're wonderful. I just try to avoid that. I don't have time. I need to sleep and I don't want to be single. For the gamers out there, I'm married. I play Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom right now. I Sorry, have ladies. to stop playing 
because the G1 is coming and not as how much of a dork that I am. <laughs> there's no way that I can play Zelda, have a life, be social, deal yeah. with my wife, have a job, right. and cover New Japan Pro Wrestling at the same I time. Love, Unfortunately, I love, something had to go. <laughs> no, that's that's elite geek card right there. Is like I'm gonna have to I'm I'm gonna have to prioritize G1 over my Zelda playing. That's that's where I'm at. So that's great. You can tell that Stephen Conway doesn't have a problem with dorks because he does a podcast with the king dork of them all. <laughs> hey, we're all in it together. Absolutely. All right. On that note, uh, tell us one more time uh, where to watch this. So this will drop Tuesday morning. Fight Game Media Channel, YouTube, Tuesdays, 5.15 Eastern. 215 Pacific. Tomorrow, we're going to be doing the go-round all over again, talking to the New Japan perspective of the Forbidden Door 2 event and previewing the strong events in July in New Japan. And then we'll be hitting the ground running, talking about the G1 after that. If you're interested in learning more about the G1, we'll have plenty of very interesting guests that we might be doing bracketology and other things going forward. Keep posted for Speaking of Strong Style. Excellent. Thank you, guys. This has been a fun few weeks. Yeah, and, thank you for uh, having us so much. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun joining you here on this show and talking AEW and that end of it, so I'm really having a good time with it. Thanks. Good. All right. And that's it for me, for Jeremy, for Stephen, and the ailing James B. McDaniel. Uh, we will see you all next week. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.